Escape from Plan A. Todd Phillips, the writer-director of The Hangover, saved my life. And on my last day of filming, and I went in for a hug, and Todd's just like, mm, 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 no. Because he's not a hugger. And I was like, oh, what the? And then I realized my dick was on his thigh. Was... My whole point is, like my dick, life is short. All right, guys? I met my wife at work. Doctor, last name, Ho. I'm not fucking making that shit up. I married a ho. I can say anything the fuck I want in the street legal, you know what I mean? Get in the car, ho. I can say that. <laughs> you complete me, ho, you know? Welcome back, listeners. Here's another episode of Escape from Plan A. I'm your host, Oxford Condo. And on this great day, I'm joined by Teen. Hey, how's it going? And Diana. Hi, everyone. And Diana has actually written a, a bunch of, uh, uh, like, funny articles for us. I mean, not funny as in like humorous. And uh, thank you, Diana, so much for, you know, bringing some much needed uh, humor to our magazine. We, we can sometimes be a little serious. So uh, you guys should check it out. Um, the read, last the, one sh- read the lobster one. <laughs> yeah, the lobster one <laughs> the lobster was very one's popular. <laughs> that, I will be honest, I did not really know what that was about at first glance. I thought you were making fun of rich people, Diana. But, <laughs> but It's, uh, it's after, breaking new yeah. ground. It's breaking new ground in, in Asian American satire, which a, uh, to be honest, honestly, I... I don't think that's a thing. I don't even think it no, existed. No, it doesn't exist. It's <laughs> not a thing. And it's like, it's why thing. isn't it a thing? It should be a thing. There's so much there. Yeah, we, we, des- we desperately need you, Diana. Yeah. One of my articles, somebody posted like, oh, it's so fearless. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, literally every other genre, like, every there's satire for everything except for this. Like, you've just never seen satire applied to Asian American issues. So, like, yeah. Exactly. And when I said we need you, I don't mean, like, Plan A, although we do need you. I mean, like, the actual like, Asian American the, the planet Or hell, the planet. Or <laughs> even, like, America. Yeah, the planet in general. You know what? Um, you, Oxford, you know what it reminds me of, kind of? It reminds me of, like, how on black Twitter they'll, they'll have satirical hashtags. Yeah. Like the root, the root articles, <laughs> the root articles crack me up, and and uh, you know, I mean, I think I think it's heading there, but we'll see. I can't even tell what's like with the root articles. I couldn't even tell what was real and what was not. Yeah, like, yeah. Things I thought were were certain for satire. Uh, I was then later told were serious articles. Anyway, um, this is all <laughs> uh fitting because the what we want to talk about to, today on this podcast is you know our. Our beloved son of the community, um, Ken Jeong, who just came out with a special on Netflix, You Complete Me Ho. Um, I actually watched it last night, and I just found out that among us three, I'm the only one who actually watched the whole thing. Teen, you watched uh, a third of it, you said. Diana, yeah. um, I guess we've spared you from having to watch it. Uh, but we will go through it you know, in detail uh, for those of you who have been fortunate enough not to see it, so that you know what we're talking about and why it's all fucked up. Um, but before we get started, I uh, just wanted to remind everyone, if you like us, please rate us and subscribe to us. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play. Reach out to us with comments or, you know, if you want to even write something for us uh, at editor.planamag at gmail.com. All this information will be in the podcast description. Okay, so... Wait, I want to ask a question first, though, before we start. Yeah, sure. Um, so, Diana, you're you're actually a stand-up comedian, right? I mean, you got a day job, too, but... That's your thing. Yeah. And yeah. and um, I would have thought that uh, – and I'm, I'm, I'm talking in the guise of someone who uh, doesn't know you or doesn't know us or doesn't know much about Asian-American comedy. Uh, I would have thought that you would have been all over this special. 
you know, like it's a probably he's probably the most famous Asian American comedian out there. What do you uh, mean? All over in a all good way it. or bad way? I mean, I, I would have thought that you would have watched it the second it came out. So what? Why? I guess I'm wondering is um, th- was there something about is there something about Ken Jeong off the bat the special where you were like, yeah, I don't really want to watch this or. I mean, I just, uh, I didn't know about the special until the reviews came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, this doesn't seem like something that I would want to watch. I just felt mm-hmm. like it would be a waste of my time to watch it. So I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's like, just because somebody is an Asian American comedian doesn't mean they are doing the things that are going to be inspiring to me or like that I would want to do similar things as um you know it's like everybody has their own voice and mine does not overlap with his at all <laughs> i don't think yeah speaking of reviews i do want to point out that donnie quack who writes for the ringer was the first review i read of this i think he wrote it right after it came out and he just totally blasted it which i very much appreciate because i think there is still some trepidation among asian americans because ken jong is such a uh a visible figure that, oh, are we supposed to, you know, play nice with them or not? And the first thing I read was just this, like, very harsh piece on it. And I do, and I and since then I've seen more, and I, I do think it was helpful in that, you know, The Ringer is a big publication, and uh, so for them to lead with this, I think it provided some cover for other Asian-American writers uh, uh, to just say, this sucks, which it does. I don't think you need that much cover to, to, to criticize an Asian dude, but yeah, yeah, I agree. That was a good, that was a good takedown. From Donnie. Yeah, so thanks, Donnie. Um, all right, so let's... Okay, why don't we just start off with describing the special, uh, especially for those who haven't watched it. The thing that I just could not stand is like t- 10, 15 minutes of Ho jokes because apparently his wife's last name is, is Ho. And uh, like, wh- what is this? Like, if he were like... This is like even worse than like a like a ten year old in science class making Uranus jokes when, it, when they're studying <laughs> the solar system. It's like, how lame is this like even if he did it once it would have been terrible he does it like 20 fucking times it's a and, pun and I, I those know. are groaners everybody hates yeah, those and, and the audience keeps laughing i honestly think they had like some kind of like maximum iq uh test or something to get into this thing and the audience is just laughing it up i what i don't yeah you know you know what it is with with uh ken this is my theory is that um one ken it's hard to say that ken jong is like either not woke or doesn't like, you know, doesn't give a shit about the fact that he's Asian. Like, if you talk to any, which we have, if you talk to any Asian person in Hollywood trying to make it as an actor or even as, like, someone on a crew or a writer or whatever, they said, you know, go get get go get to know Ken Jeong because he will push for you. Like, anyone that's even, like, a, you know, adjacent to, to Hollywood – um, loves Ken Jeong. And I think that has to be acknowledged, you know? Look, that I think that's good. But the problem is, okay, so I um, I remember when his first, his special first drop, uh, Simu Liu, the, the guy from Kim's Convenience, who uh, I don't watch Kim's Convenience. I do follow Simu on Twitter. He seems like a stand-up guy. Uh, but he also went out of his way and said, you know, Ken Jeong is this great guy. When I like first went to Hollywood, didn't know anyone, he hooked me up with everybody he knew. Um, okay, that's good. But 
Okay, so like Simu Liu, like he he's like kind of big on you know Asian male representation. He's talked about you know being Asian Superman, um, or or something like that. But it, so it's like okay, so Ken Jong is helping Simu Liu fix the problems that Ken Jong himself created in the first place. It's like Ken Jong dug this big okay, hole. Okay, yeah. Well, see, here's, like, that's where that's where I'm wondering. So my theory on Ken Jong now is, I mean, he's reached a level of success that no really any other Asian American has. Like not even Daniel Day Kim because. The thing to the thing that about him is that he has literally his own one like 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 star driven uh um sitcom, which is actually a really, really big deal in Hollywood, right? It's it's actually you mean the, the doc, you mean the thing Doctor canceled? Doctor Ken, Ken, yeah, it got canceled, but he's coming back. I mean, think about it, he's coming back with one, right? And that's that's a really he's reached a level that I think that no, really no other Asian American has. And what disturbs me about Ken Jeong, if you put those two facts about him together, that one, he is woke and he does care about, you know, Asian American representation. Um, and two, that he's still doing ho jokes and completely unapologetic about, you know, all this shit that he did in um, as Leslie Chow, which was basically reviving Long Duck Dong, which has Long Duck Dong has had a weird renaissance as of late. But OK, whatever. Uh, what go? What I think is going on is that he knows something that we don't really fully understand yet, which is that at like a mass level, at a, like a the broad American social level, where we're talking about like the mainstream, uh, you know, it's still really fucking racist. And he he knows. I think he is a smart guy. I think he knows that that's how you play to. The wider audience and as he's putting material together especially as an asian man um that he's got to do that if he's like if an asian american guy wants to have a big netflix special yeah you got to do ho jokes and dick jokes and all that stuff you know and you've got to and you've got to kiss white ass which is what he did all over that special so donnie kwok's article about you know who was this and a lot of a lot of critics a lot of people that were asian americans that were critical of this their first question was who is this for is you know it's it, I don't know who exactly it's for, but I'll guarantee you it is meant to not. It, it's meant to make white people feel like everything's comf- everything's okay, everything's still you know what their expectation is coming out of Asian people. So I think it's disturbing. I wonder if it's like he is doing it on purpose, or like if that's what he actually thinks is funny. Because I actually I see this a lot in other like Asian American comedians that I like I've like met personally like and they're super super nice and super supportive and then they go on stage and like talk about like small dicks like and like yeah. it's just like it's usually the guys it's a, what I mean, to be honest it's usually the guys that do it to be it's honest it's also women it's like so ridiculous it's like they just want to ham that shit up. And I think it is for white approval. But I think sometimes, like, they, it's like they don't realize that that's what they're doing. You know? Okay, this is what disturbed me about watching the special. I do think that Ken Jong, his first concern is Ken Jong. Because if you listen to how he talks about you know, how, how loving he is about The Hangover. And he talks about, you know, he, everyone knows he used to be a doctor. And the way he talks about 
having been a doctor, you think that he worked at some like salmon cannery in Alaska, or he was like some uh, like I don't know bum on the street. He describes like being a doctor as this horrible, oppressive thing, and that this uh, the Hangover and and all the people associated with. It. I mean, he like su- you know sucks off you know Todd Phillips who who was like the director of that, Judd Apatow, etc. It, all those guys. He's like worshiping them for rescuing from the, him from this supposedly horrible, horrible life of being a fairly successful doctor. And I think that's fundamentally what his conflict of interest is, because he is operating in a system where with almost like every other race of men, especially white men, a guy like Ken Jong making it to the top would be something to celebrate because it's so out of the ordinary, right? That's why we celebrate someone like Jason Alexander becoming a sitcom legend, because, you know, you look at a Jason Alexander and, you know, as talented as he is, he's not He's not like star material, it just uh, in a very, very superficial industry. So that when someone like him makes it, uh, we celebrate it. Asian men are, are probably the only group where it's the actual reverse. It's where a Ken Jong, Ken Jong-like figure is specifically scouted for stardom. That we see it with like a William Hung. We saw it to some extent with like Psy, uh, although that's been I think sort of disproven by other K-pop groups becoming more popular. So his interest is in defending the system that he has seen as rescuing him from this very horrible life, which I also think is, is an incredibly very like uh, like white pro- white people problem level of problem. We're like, oh, I'm a doctor. And you know, there's like certain class of Asian Americans who think that being a doctor is like the absolute worst thing in the world because they've grown up so comfortably that they, they don't really know what it's like to struggle. Yeah, said yeah. So, upper middle class self-loathing. Exactly. It, that's, that's his mindset. And so to him... All this is great. He's got his. He's become rich and famous, hanging out with these like cool movie stars, which like in any other context, if you were not like an Asian man in America in this time and period, would never have happened. So he's going to be very defensive of the system. But then you're saying that he's defensive of a system that is bad for most Asians. And like how that he woke- is what? He's in. He's defensive of this system that is bad of most bad for most Asians and most people of color. Um, so how how is that, how woke is that necessarily? It seems like he's not. Oh, I think he rationalizes it with these uh, very, um, which I assume are he does go. I don't. I don't think people are lying about him going out of the out of his way behind the scenes to promote people. But then again, these are just individuals. And this, this is something that showbiz Asians do that, that just ticks me off so much. They conflate what is basically like a labor issue, which is a legit issue, whether it's in entertainment or, you know, Asian teachers, Asian bankers, Asian, I don't know, like garbage men, any, all like jobs of society. If Asians are being excluded, Asian Americans, that is an issue to raise. But then they conflate what is basically like like a labor employment issue with some kind of grand scheme that will lift every, the community up no matter what they do on screen. And this is a, a contradiction because there's a part where he uh, makes fun of his like Reddit critics for saying that he, like Mr. Chow, I, I mean, like to quote him, he said, uh, because of Mr. Chow, these Asian guys can't get laid with white girls. So there, that's a contradiction. If he believes in this Asian American representation ennobles his like uh, profession as a, as an entertainer, and that's why you should go support Crazy Rich Asians, searching uh, Kim's Convenience, all these projects. That's because those roles have an impact, I and mean, that's the central premise of these movements. Yet, if he's also saying, "Oh, when I do something bad, uh, don't blame me for an impact on your life," then why the fuck are we coming out to support you? By the way, just shout like. I just love the fact that he pointed out Asian his Asian critics on Reddit 
Um, Which proves I, he reads everything, right? Yeah, and it gets to him. Like, if you if he's actually mentioning that, that criticism and people calling him, you know, a sellout Chan or whatever, and it bothers him enough that it's, like, within the first, like, 10 minutes of his Netflix special, it pisses him off. And I think it's, I think it's it definitely pissing him off. And I think it fucks with his, like, belief that he's actually, you know, I think it really fucks with him because I, I do think that he really feels like he's dedicating himself to, you know, Asian American cause. And I, I think that in his own zone of reality that that probably rings true. But he doesn't understand, like, the collateral damage, like, who's really under... Who's really suffering the consequences for his, um, you know, for what he did? I mean, I, I don't think he's all that problematic now. Like, I didn't find that his stand-up was as offensive as Leslie Chow itself. So, as a sort of, like, quantity out there now, I don't really have a huge problem with Ken Jong. I, I just thought he wasn't funny. But that whole Leslie Chow bit, like, the, the fact that he brought it up and defended it again was, I think, the problem. And, you know, the thing is, like, uh, you know, we I, I know people on Reddit that were telling stories about how they got they really got picked on because of that because of that um, movie and that it was basically giving people license to treat Asian guys and stuff them into like, I want you to be le my Leslie Chow. You know, like, I want you to act like that. I want you to run into a wall. I want you to talk like that, you know. And, uh, you know, I know, f you know, I heard this story, which is that, you know, um, the, those same writers who did uh, um, uh, The Hangover also did 21 and Over, which starred Justin Chong, Chan. Um, they actually gave Chan like a big, like like like, like a big penis in that in that uh, movie. I think it was a fake prosthetic penis. They gave him a huge one because they said that they wanted to make up for what they did to Ken Chong. So yeah, like, even, even white guys, even white guys felt bad. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They they didn't like they were punking on him so badly, and they knew that. What do you mean? Like we we compensate for what they did to Ken Jeong? They mean like they don't want. They feel bad for what they did to Asian kids that you know like that were suffering under these. You know, like you know, small dick jokes may sound like it, it's not a big deal or whatever, but it's racist phrenology. It's like saying black people have slopey foreheads and they're, you know, therefore small they're brains. Just, it's, yeah, it's they're the dumber. Direct, it's a direct analog to, you know, black people have small brains. Thing. It's the same shit, you know? It's, it's, a, it's a way of saying like, you know, I can make conclusions about you based off of your biology and the small dick thing's beautiful because it's like, Nobody, I mean, the only, what are you going to do? Someone calls you, says yeah, you, so no, you have a small no dick. situation. Yeah, what can you do? What, am I going to pull my pants down? You know, like, yeah, there's then, no coming you'll, back you'll to You'll that, get right? arrested or get a misdemeanor for, uh, you know, indecent exposure. So, yeah. uh, Diana, I want to talk to you because uh, you said that Ken Jong is actually really good in Community, right? I never watched Community. Team, did you ever watch that show? I've seen a little bit of Ken Jong in it. Um, okay. Yeah. But the thing is, he never brings it up. What? Uh, he never brings up community in the special. Or if he did, it's so small that compared to, like, say, The Hangover or Dr. Ken, it seems like it's an afterthought in his own mind. Even though, Diana, you said it's actually among his best work, if not his best work, right? I think it's his best work. And all the comedians that I asked about what they love about Ken Jeong, they said community. He is phenomenal in community. Um, and, like, they don't like his... They don't like, like, white comedians are like, we don't like what he had to do in Leslie, as Leslie Chow. 
but we get it because that's what he had to do to you know get get into hollywood or whatever and they're actually like it's weird that he still has to do this he feels like he still needs to do this stuff uh now like he doesn't need to like he paid his dues already and it's yeah like we all we all love community that's the only thing that i actually saw him in i didn't watch the hangover or see most of his uh yeah so and i didn't see his um his stand-up before or now um i think i maybe saw like one clip uh when he was like in new orleans and i was like "Eh, it's interesting (laughs) yeah that's why I'm very suspicious of exactly like how, how if he has like a grand master plan. I think, if, if, I think the reason he's so attached to the Hangover is it was like his first like big break. Uh, it's still his most famous role. It will be his most famous role until he dies. Well, that gave him mainstream fame, and it's like there's you know like as as a comedian like you there's people who want different things from what they do right like you want some people just like want to reach the widest audience possible some people want to be famous and rich and other people like want to push the boundaries of the art and it just sounds like ken's thing is like he just wants to be as famous as possible and he doesn't care about the rest i think he's also i think he's also heading off the potential for him to become sort of the real life Apu, and I think Wait, what that, do you mean by that? Well, you know, you, you are you familiar with like that? Har- what's what's the what's wrong with what is it called? What's the matter with what's Apu? Matter? Yeah, with- I, I mean, I, I know the issues. I haven't seen the documentary though. Okay, so but it's just so retroactively Hari Kondabalu, who I who I love, um, did this fantastic sort of documentary film where he was like, look, like. The character Apu, who's the, you know, Indian Quickie Mart owner, that character, when I was little, that was like racist as fuck. And it, 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 it really, um, it really fucked with the self-esteem of a lot of young Indian children um, and, and, and teenagers because specifically because it wasn't fully racist. And by, by not fully racist, I mean not recognized as fully racist. So you didn't have the social standing to call it out for what it was, and yet it had a racist effect on you. It's these borderline characters that I think are the ones that are really terrible. And Leslie Chow is sort of like an East Asian Apu. And He's I think worse that, than that. I feel like everybody yeah. is like, that's really racist. Like, we don't like yeah, that. It, yeah, it might be worse. I think it might be worse. But what I'm saying is it has that, you know, Apu really, it, it ended up um, really... I think I think it really scared Hank Azaria because yeah. I think Hank Azaria really did not see himself as anywhere adjacent to white racists. He he really thought of himself as someone who represented, you know, radical open-mindedness and and I think a lot of white people in comedy think of themselves that way. And and I think Judd Apatow probably thinks of himself that way. And uh I think that a lot of that was, if you look at how much he brings up Judd Apatow and Bradley Cooper and, and sort of humanizes them while being... It's really being, gross how he does it. It's really it gross. Yeah, and I think that he was signaling in that, look, I'm not going to let them turn, turn you guys into Hank Azaria and, you know, the Simpsons, get, you know, people. Um, you know what I'm gonna pisses defend me off 
about what he's okay like i didn't even see this but like just reading all of the news articles about ken jung special like ap press everybody was like oh ken jung you know talked about how bradley cooper was nice to him when his wife was recovering from cancer they turned her story of surviving cancer into like bradley cooper did a nice thing yeah well, that's very fitting with the special because the theme of the special really is how Ken Jong finally became a cool kid. That's basically the theme of the special. That's why he name drops everybody. That's why he loves the Hangover so much because it, you know, he went from like being the the nerdy doctor that I guess he's been all his life to to being something of of a star. And okay, that's that, okay. That's good for you, Ken. But what does that do for the rest of us? And you keep presenting it as as though you keep he keeps trying to play both ways. As I said, on one hand, uh, you know, you 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 redditors and all, all you critics are silly out there. I'm just doing comedy. Yet on the other hand, as I said, uh, he's part of this broad movement, uh, so noble that he you know like medicine. Who gives a shit about that? When has medicine ever helped anyone? He's making the hangover. He's making a difference. You know, fuck that. That's crazy. Okay, so there's two things that I want to say. First, like, for comedians, having negative feedback is not as bad as having just nobody talk about you. You know, like, a silent crowd just, like, staring at you, that's the worst thing in the world. (laughs) It's not like somebody shitting on you on the internet, because that means you're getting attention and you're, you're getting... Uh, a reaction from people. So I feel like him oh, God calling... Damn it. Are, we, are we just falling into Ken Jong's trap by doing this podcast then? Should we have just ignored <laughs> him? No, nah, yeah. we should talk about him. We should definitely talk about him. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So like for him to be calling out the Redditors, that's actually like, you know, him saying like, hey, look, there's a group of people that cares enough about me and like respects me enough to have this opinion. You know, it's like him saying oh, he has good, detractors yeah. is him saying he's still relevant, which to most. Which he white is, though, com- which he is. I mean, because white people are making him relevant as far. You know what I mean? Like they're foisting him on us. It's not like yeah. Asian. It's not like he's got like some. And that was that was the core, I think, of that's why I think Donnie Kwok's article about him was dead on, because the, the central question Donnie was like, look, it's not that offensive to me it's not like i'm not used to people going up there and making fun of the last name ho or making fun of you know asian women as prostitutes or making fun of you know asian guys as you know you know hurt over their small dicks okay he's like look i've heard it a million times but the problem i have is i don't know who this is for like who are you who 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 do you think you're talking to in these jokes. And I think that was such a great insight into the nature of the problem because what I find very interesting about all this is if you go on YouTube and you look up Ken Jong stand up, there is a stand up special that he did like way back pre uh, hangover that was, like I said, it was largely the same, but I found it fucking hilarious um, because it's really interesting. It was the dynamic of that show because most of that audience was actually Asian. He, when he first quit Kaiser and started, you know, he was the ex doctor that's now doing stand up. I mean, Asian people love that shit um, because it it kind of spoke to us. I mean, I think it was kind of it was kind of inspiring to say like, you know, there's um, there's room for something like this 
and he directed his comedy at other Asian Americans. And yet, you know, he did do pretty regressive jokes about his wife's last name, Ho, but he, you know, it was like a way into humanizing her a little bit. And also he did a good job of making fun of other, you know, he made fun of Koreans and then he made fun of Vietnamese and, you know, whatever. And it was all this sort of like comedy as bonding, you know, there's, there is actually, you know, a level of, of distrust or, or maybe lack of recognition, say between Koreans and Vietnamese and he's Korean and his wife is Vietnamese. And he was sort of trying to, bridge um a certain gap between the two let's say in that in those jokes and i thought that that if you go watch that early stand-up it's really sad because i think that i you knew exactly who it was for and it was great and then he does it again it's the same routine but it's not i don't know who it's for and it sucks you know yeah and like when was that like how many years ago was that um, I want to say well, it was in the 2000s, um, like really right before he got super famous. So yeah. um, mm-hmm. this was probably like 2003, I'm guessing 2004, something like that. Yeah. I mean, you're if he's using the same material that was successful 15 years ago, like it, comedy is like a process. It's an evolving thing. And it's it's yeah. not just about the jokes. It's about the interaction of the person telling the jokes and the audience it's like a give and take so yeah i I mean it makes sense like nothing works the same way that you know you would expect 15 years ago like it's not like you have those like giant like shoe like cell phones you know (laughs) it's like it basically it basically be like using that and saying like oh man it's like it sucks that people make fun of me that i'm still using this it's like shut up the part of it that's really fucking gross to me is like the the one the one part where I saw it and I'm like, yeah, I, I've seen everything that I need to see is when he said that have you have you seen Asian people online? You know, like Asian like they're the worst. He's like white people can be bad, but Asians are fucking worse. And that that to me summed up everything about that that special, which is like, I'm gonna tell you that Asian people are always subordinate to white people. So a perfect example of that is, you know, again, he can't stop telling fucking his glory day stories about the hangover. And Bradley Cooper, who probably has forgotten at this point that he was even in that movie, right? Bradley yeah, Cooper's... He's moved on to better things. Yeah, he's fucking singing with Lady Gaga at the Oscars. He's he doesn't an give Oscar. a fuck about well, the, the I hangover. I don't think he won an Oscar, but he'll probably win an Oscar eventually. It's like... I mean, he's got too much to think about to then to care about what the fuck Ken Jeong care- thinks about the hangover. But he's... So he's like telling this story about... Oh yeah, I loved I loved Thailand. Uh, when we were shooting there, we we had these. Um, there were these women. If you saw the uh, extras in the ending, he was like, there was these women that you know were stuffing ping pong balls up their up their pussy. I'm like, seriously, this is what like you're an Asian American man, and you want to tell jokes about Thai prostitutes that you made do ping pong ball shows for you. And he was like, oh, and then what happened was she would shoot it out like she was the fucking Serena Williams of Pussy Pong. And then says that one of the ping pong balls hit Bradley Cooper in the face. And then he was like, you got syphilis now. And what I'm thinking is like, you think that in this, you would say that, meaning like you would talk, you're, you're telling a story about how you're broy with Bradley Cooper through the demonst- through a joke where Asian, like you refer to the white man by his name. You refer to Asian women by their sexual function. You refer to them by their genitals, right? Which is like his whole thing. 
And you joke that she has an STD. You want to act protective of the white man. And then you want to go out and say that your Asian critics are worse than your white critics. Like, who the fuck? What is this shit? Like, why is he tolerated? Yeah, some toxic toxic masculinity right there. He's toxic masculinity. Fuck him, you know? This is the He's, opposite. He perfectly exemplifies it. This is the exact opposite of Margaret Cho's special from like 2001 or so. I can't remember what it's called, but um, it was really good. It's like probably one of the top 10 like specials of all time. Um, was that the notorious CHO one? Um, I can't remember what it was called, probably. But it was the yeah. one where she talks about her experiences uh, becoming famous and trying to make All-American Girl and having that fail and just like being so depressed and, you know, like feeling like such a piece of shit after that. But the way that she tells that story, which is also, you know, like many years before this special, uh, you know, she like humanizes herself. Um, she calls out white racism and uh, it's just completely different in feeling. It's like com- the complete opposite because she takes a thing that is degrading to her and to Asian America and she uplifts us and herself. Meanwhile, Ken Jeong does this thing where it's like, it was great for him. He loved this. And then he just takes it and turns it into utter degradation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of Margaret Cho, remember? Uh, so when Tina and I, I think this was like the first time we started like hanging out in real life. Uh, there was an article, I think it was in the New York Times. Remember where that that uh, Asian writer complained about like emperor salad? Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I actually yeah. told Tina, that was a Margaret Cho bit from like years ago. And she has a really funny bit about how people were uh she was like on an airplane and then the uh like the the steward or the stewardess was like really nervous about asking her if she wanted like asian chicken salad and she's like what the fuck do you think i'm gonna do like spaz out because of that yeah i i know like margaret cho sometimes gets um heat because i think all american girl i haven't seen it i never want to see it apparently it was like really just like self-racist against asians she has some funny bits uh, uh, diane have you seen the one where she like is like imitating her mom telling her story about when like her dad so her mom's husband um like a male friend kissed him or something that's a really funny bit you go on youtube uh but it's just the way she tells it like as her mom <laughs> just very i don't funny. i don't remember i don't remember all american girl being self-racist i, I do remember it just being Wait, you very, actually watched it yeah i remember it um I, I i remember it being very like 90s you know um and it was it was it had like the same problems that Fresh Off the Boat has, like fake accents, um, and and just overall, just it just wasn't, it just didn't gel as being funny. But I don't think it was like a Chinese burn, you know what I mean? Like we've seen oh, well, way like, few worse things than are. that. Few things are, yeah. And the thing, the thing that uh, with Margaret Cho is that there was there was a, a incident I think in New Jersey where like some these like white women started fucking like attacking her straight up, like they were trying to beat her up like on stage. I forgot exactly what happened. It was something she said about feminism. I think she was criticizing feminism or something. Like white and feminism? I think it's feminism in general, but yeah, for probably from the I framework mean, of white feminism. Probably implied, implied white feminism. Yeah. And, you know, she got attacked by white women. And I feel like she would not have gotten attacked if she was white because they were basically like, you know, this Asian bitch is talking too much now, you know? And that really hurt her. I think that that was a real moment that that was not you know, commodified into 
um, a joke or, or, you know, something like that hurt her enough that when she went on um, Jerry Seinfeld's, uh, you know, driving in cars with comedians or whatever that show is, that that was a central experience to her that I felt was traumatic. And they went to address it. They actually got the audience from that show to re, you know, there was a reunion of that show in New Jersey at the original spot where they talked it out and, and, you know, they, they apologized to her. Like Seinfeld made it happen. Like he was just like, you know, what, what is the, I mean, he didn't come at it from a racial perspective per se, but you know, because, you know, again, I just don't think like white comedians, you know, they just, they're very voiding of race, but he did it. And I thought like, you know, she has a human, like there's a, there's a baseline for her of dignity and respect that, 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 you know, got her to the point of being attacked by white woman. I was like, okay, she's got, the fact that she was attacked by white woman in the first place to me was like, yeah, there is a baseline level of integrity and meaning to what she does to her comedy that is just yeah. fucking utterly missing from Ken Jong because he will never, ever put himself out there in a manner that would get him attacked by white men. Never. Well, Jerry's got another uh, Woke Bay badge. Uh, going back to Ken Jong, one thing I noticed oh, on the topic of who is this for and if it's for white people, I can tell what kind of white people based on the references he makes, which are very... Not very outdated, but they're like outdated by like 10-ish years, which I guess is like, he's still stuck in that like hangover time capsule. He makes a reference to Lost, which in like 2019 is very irrelevant. Um, he also talks of Bill Clinton as if it were still maybe like 2012. Remember when uh, Bill Clinton made that speech at the um, 2012 Democratic National Convention and everyone saw it as like uh, rescuing Obama's, you know, till then kind of lukewarm campaign. That was like really the last time I really uh, that I felt like there was like majority unanimous support for Bill Clinton. Now it's like it's swung a lot the other way. It's really hard to hear anyone really say anything good about Bill Clinton, especially if they're younger and more uh, left leaning. So it was really jarring to hear this guy uh, like talking about things that would have been more current like ten years ago. And the Hangover itself is 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 very much a product of I, I think a very particular kind of like male pop culture environment that was like very like mid 2000 this was like when entourage was like the so-called best show on tv and even obama was talking about how much he loved it the hangover is very much a product of that time and now i think people are you know they're kind of embarrassed to say they liked it but ken jong is still living in his own world where the hangover is still the undisputed funniest movie of the year he's developmentally challenged i mean you know he just, if he is the elder statesman of Asian American Hollywood, like, where is his gravitas? You know, like, I saw recently um, Ray Romano's Netflix special. And Ray Romano just projects this sort of like, you know, he's like a father of like teenagers and his daughter's in college now and stuff. And Ken Jeong has kids too. I'm like, Ray Romano just projects this sort of, you know. Dadness? Dadness. Like, he's like, he's, he's all his jokes are about... The perspective that he has gained being the head of a household with, you know, four kids and trying to relate, you know, he talks to young people and he's just like, I mean, it's funny. It's it's funny, but he's just like, this is marriage is difficult and raising kids, you know, kids are fucking hard. And 
maybe it's not the most edgy, funny thing, but there's a gravitas to him. No, it's like, genuine. I, I was at the yeah. I was at the comedy cellar a couple of uh, Christmases ago, yeah. and yeah, he was like the surprise last performer. He's really funny. And yeah, he's yeah. As I said, he's not the edgiest. He's not the most cutting edge, but he comes from a genuine place of experience. That's ex- and, you know, yeah. That's what makes him great. Is he? He's like fuck edgy. I'm a dad. You know, like this is dad comedy. Fuck you. I mean, Ken Jong might be a little bit younger. They might actually be the same age, but he's on stage saying, dude, this, dude, that. Like, yeah. And he's, he's speaking in this kind of like quarter, maybe like Ebonic stuff. I don't know. It's just really Seren- bad. Serena Williams of Pussy Pong? Seriously? I'm like, dude, no, but that's not okay anymore. That's like, like the lazy, is- that's like the laziest Twitter joke. Uh, yeah, you know, 2005, some- you could say that. Honestly, man, you can't. What the fuck does that even mean anymore, man? Yeah. Like, but see, I, I don't, I don't like framing it as like you can't say that because then it gives him this false sense that he's you know one of these comedians that are like too out there and you have to be like no, they, you no, can't he's say behind that the times. I'm saying you yeah, could have say sucks. that back then because like you <laughs> it know it just sucks now. It's, yeah, it's just fuck him. So kinda, all around, I, <laughs> I wonder why he works. If if he is this way, like why does he work so hard to bring in Asian? people in hollywood like why does he even bother to do that i, I think one explanation maybe he does have like some guilty recognition um he could have a very narrow understanding of what media representation is all about uh he might just think more asians more better that kind of mentality um that might be what what is being preached in these circles who the hell knows i think he just thinks i think he thinks that that's the only way in he was like what he has this weird there's a certain anger to him um, that I find, which he shows to Asian people, but he won't show to white people. But there is a, there is a, le- and you see it in the special, like there is a certain anger and intolerance to him. And I think that. Um, what do you mean by intolerance? Re- like the way he talks about his Asian critics, you know, oh. like he, he just, there's no humor to the way that he dismisses his Asian critics. He he actually says that they probably have daddy issues and their mother can't be satisfied or whatever. <laughs> like he's making reference to a stupid, you know, to Prince lyrics that have no no relevance. I don't know why he even brings it up. But he's basically saying like if you're a young Asian guy that has a problem with me, it's because you can't – you probably think that you can't get with white women because they're scared of my little dick. Uh, I'm like, man, that's really weird. Like that's a weird thing to say, man. Like – that 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 to me is sort of a projection of his own problems. I think that the reason he does care about Asian rep is because that he has experienced a lot of racism in his life and he it scared him. And I think that he's never really gotten past that. And I do think that he has a sort of like mentality where it's like, look, these white he's scared of white people. He was like, you got to put on a good face for these white people. You got to, you know, they're going to expect you to make small dick jokes. So make small dick jokes. And, you know, what we got to do is we've got to sneak into the house. And when we're in there, then we'll try and like, you know, open the back porch door and let everyone in. You know, and he's got this weird fucking invasion mentality where he's like, you know, I'll be the, I'll, I'll take all the, um, you know, I'll absorb all the attention. I'll give you cover fire, but then I'll sneak you into the back door. So... In his mind, I think he's bear- being very extremely pro-Asian, but he's got this irrational fear, or maybe it's rational. I don't know. I mean, Hollywood's a pretty fucked up place, which is why I say I think Ken Jong ultimately does scare me. I mean, it's not really about 
beyond Ken Jeong himself, it does kind of scare me because, like I said, he is the person that has infiltrated Hollywood the most to the point where he has his own uh, his own uh, sitcom. He is very well connected in Hollywood. I think he's very much understood to be probably the, the most uh, connected in terms of relationship with a major network. Um, that he might understand things about that world which makes him to you know continue to be like this because at that level they still expect you to do this, which is why I think in a way he is scary to me as a signal. So yeah, it's weird that even now, like he's been famous for a long time, and it's weird. Everyone is like, why? Why does he still do this? Like he's already paid his dues. So if that's how people see it, but that's not how he sees it, is there something wrong with him, or is there just some system in Hollywood, or just like among white people that like if you're Asian, you there's no point at which you don't stop paying these dues. You just have to keep degrading yourself until one of us dies. Yeah, I mean, assuming that he had this like uh, infiltration plan, which I don't think he did in the first place. I think this is all about him uh, reaching a, a level of like coolness he never thought was possible. But let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he had that plan. He's running into the exact same problem that all these like change from the inside type of people have. Is that once you're in like invested in the system, you start losing perspective. Uh, the people closest to you are no longer people you claim to represent or fight for. And the fact is, the f- he talks about when like Dr. Ken got canceled. He and this was before he got the Crazy Rich Asians role. He talks as though he thought his career might be over at that point. There's nothing on the horizon. And he talks about Crazy Rich Asians uh, saved him in a way that um, the Hangover saved him. So for him, for him to have gone from being uh, like uh, the guy who gets invited to to the Oscars or whatever, to having to go back to being, you know, the, the horrible uh, life of being a doctor. He can't go back to that anymore. So now, uh, yeah, he can give lip service to all he wants, but his main investment now is staying uh, where he is and maintaining that position and everything else becomes secondary if, if um, ever those priorities were ever ahead of himself in the first place. You know who he is, man? He's the, he's the, he's the Asian male Julie Chen. Yeah, he, yeah, that's he, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. he's he's bought, he's giving protection to, you know, he's like, look, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna protect you as a non-white man. I'm gonna protect you. Yeah, but um, to Julie Chen's credit, she is just totally honest about it. She's just like, I got plastic surgery because like my, the white executives told me to. Yeah, I'm no, standing by, no, but, I'm standing but, by my rapist. No, husband, but he no does the same what. shit like, behind the scenes. What I'm saying is, at the end of the day, um, you know. What are the, who are they ultimately like you said who are they ultimately serving and Julie Chen serves her husband and and Ken serves CBS it's the same they're serving the same master yeah but I'm saying she's so. more open about it so I actually like grudgingly admire her for that whereas Ken Jong is trying to have it both ways which I don't yeah. admire at all well at the end of the day I mean Julie Chen really is like look I'm 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 on team moonves fuck you, <laughs> fuck you women she she like doubled down like she, I like I don't think she ever really went, but I, I don't know. It's not like I watch any of her shows. The weird thing is that she, she, she'll, she'll, she'll bring the race thing up, but then when it comes to women, she's like, you know, fuck these women, <laughs> right? Like, no. Well, who, who knows what's going on with her? Uh, but then here's a question I want to ask you. Because ta- you are a uh, comedian. You're also an Asian woman uh, comedian. We talked about Margaret Cho. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ali Wong. It, it, like, comedy is a very male-dominated field, and, you know, recently there's been a lot of, uh, you know, 
women comics who've been trying to take back some of that territory. But it seems to me, correct me if I'm mistaken, with Asian Americans, it actually seems to be the women who are funnier than the men. You, do you, am I often thinking that? Mm, I don't know what you mean by that. Like, they're more well, successful. Like if you, yeah, if you look at people who are genuinely funny, um, someone like an Ali Wong, uh, like a Margaret Cho, like, who's their male equivalent? Like a Ken Jeong? I mean, that's pretty pathetic, right? Like, who's, who's like the Asian male Ali Wong? Well, what about Joe Wong? Uh, I've heard of him. He's, he's uh, from the UK, right? No, he's, uh, he, he was he's from, from Boston for a while. So he's yeah. actually, oh, really? okay. he's Korean, uh, ethnically but his Korean. Joe Wong? And he, oh, is he really? I didn't know that. Yeah. His oh, family's okay. ethnically Korean. They moved to China and then. Oh, interesting. Uh, that actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. He immigrated to the US. And by Asian, I specifically mean like yellow Asian, like East and, and Southeast Asian. Because we see pl- plenty of like brown male mm-hmm. comics who are, mm-hmm. you know, at least decent. Like, I'm not a big fan of like Aziz Ansari, but, you know, he's not he's not like Ken Jeong bad. Uh, right. So I always wonder, is there something about being like a yellow Asian American male that inhibits you from being a, a comedian? Because if comedy is about you really getting honest and, and pushing things to the edge, if you look at how self-inhibited Asian American guys are with regards to race, especially talking about like gender issues. Cause you look at other comedians, they'll say some really uh, heinous stuff. That's, that's still funny, but like, uh, you know, like the Chris Rock, OJ Simpson joke where he says, you know, I wouldn't have killed her, but I understand that's a heinous mm-hmm. joke. You're excusing a murder yet. It is still kind of funny. It, I mean, it is funny. Uh, at least to me, uh, please. It's, like, not yet. it's because you... <laughs> it's not yet. It's because yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. And because of that, but you never like Asian American guys wouldn't, do that equivalent with us, with you our know, like, issues. With well, like, I feel like Chris Rock, um, like he owns his blackness, and like most black male comedians do. I mean, and the farthest somebody will go, like nobody's gonna tell like, like no black comedian is gonna like tell anti-black jokes, right? Like the farthest they'll go is to be like, um, be race neutral, uh, and not be political about it. But most, yeah, I, I think that's more of an issue with like just how Asian men, especially, are socialized. Is like even when somebody wants to say something, they hold themselves back, and it's the same issue mm-hmm. with women too. Um, yeah, it's just it's socialization. I feel like the saying like, "Can somebody of a certain." Uh, race or whatever, you know, identity be funny. That's like an inherently different question than are they, are they saying things that are, um, putting themselves out there or like radical or genuine? I think, I think that that's a good, actually, the, the difference between, that makes sense. I think the difference between an East Asian and a South Asian is that the South Asian's brown and in America, there are certain things about brown skinned people that is dangerous, you know, because of the stereotypes of, of terrorism um, and just sort of uh, there are things that go unsaid in that relationship that I think comedy can serve to um, to bring, you know, to bring out. And I think with East Asian guys, there's just nothing to talk about. Like, there's, no, no, there's nothing. There's nothing transgressive about being East Asian. There's nothing dangerous about it. 
you know, there's no, there's stereotypes, and but they're all like stupid. Like, oh, they have, he's a small dick. So I think every time a comedian takes the stage, if they're, you know, of a, of a, of a minority or whatever, you know, there's an expectation that you bring up the stuff that, you know, your identity usually leaves off the table. I'm going to put it there. And, uh, you know, a, a South Asian guy talking about how TSA, he always gets pulled aside. Like, that's something that people want to know about. But that doesn't happen to us, right? Like, nothing bad happens to us in that regard. The only bad thing that happens to us is white people making fun of us. But I think um, that is plenty of material. But but then using that standard, then no white guy could ever be a comic uh, because nothing to that level no, happens. No, but, but see, the white guy, the white guy, I think... And this is the thing that East Asian guys really had their only option is, um, is you've got to talk about being a guy. Because there's a lot of shit that men think and do that's very controversial. Being a man is controversial now, right? But Asian guys don't even want to talk about that because we're like this sort that, of like liberal exactly, male exactly, identity. That's exactly my point. I think, as it, like, you know, problems are... There's no are, edge to it. There's like, the problem, you know, uh, the severity of one's problems is, is relative. It's how you contextualize it. And Asian guys can't even contextualize our own issues. Yeah, I think uh, that's so that, it. That, that's why, yeah, and that's why, like, w- whenever I went to, you know, like a college open mic, like the, 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 the typical, like, Asian guy would just go up and say, oh, you know, somebody uh, made fun of me for a small dick. And I thought, how did they know? <laughs> that's like the default joke that, that I would always expect. And, you know, I think like half the time, at least, that's what they said, because... Like I think they're too afraid to go anywhere beyond that. Well, like, it's like why guys. Well, I don't think there's a, there's nowhere to go. Where else would you go? But the, you can go anywhere. You crowd. can literally go anywhere, and that's where white men go. Like they just talk about their own experiences and their own yeah, perspectives exactly. on the world. And the only thing that an Asian man feels like they can talk about is how they are perceived. You know, like comedy is all about your observations as a person like uh and saying that that is like a relevant and a valid experience it's like a valid lens to see the world and that's what white guys have but for asian men like they don't have that they don't have a precedent for that and so the jokes that they tell they're like um kind of like secondary you know it's like a it's like a it's like they're seeing yeah, they're seeing themselves through the lens of whiteness and they're telling jokes through the lens of whiteness and that's why it's gross. That's why it doesn't work because it's not true to who they are. But I think that as an Asian guy, I would say that I can I get the sense that a lot of Asian male comics, you know, the reason they do this is because that they are hyper aware. It's not they're actually more aware than, you know, most Asian guys of the relevance and uh, and, and importance of of their race, and that a lot of the the motivations for wanting to do comedy is to unearth that stuff. So I think that a lot of Asian American comedy, especially male, is is racially driven. I think that they want to talk about it. Yeah, they want, they want to, to make the comedy about it, but then there's no uh, there's no approach vector. There's no way to get into it. Yeah, they don't you know, know how. So, so the so the advice that it's like, look, you can talk about anything, but you want to talk about this. But that might be the reason they're doing comedy, which is totally legit, I think. But what's the approach vector for them? How do they get into that without, you know, humiliating themselves? Yeah, and it's you hard. Know? And that's why a lot of people fail. And also in comedy, it's like kind of brutal. 
So it's like, it's, it's really easy to get demoralized after like failing and not getting booked. And like, if you're, if you're an Asian guy talking about small dicks, like you're not necessarily going to get booked. If you're not getting laughs right away, you're just not going to get booked. I, I think that the, for me, uh, this is my, I'll give a, my concrete bit of advice. I'm not, I'm not a comedian, but I'm just saying that I would like to see this for Asian guys. Um, is that we can get very controversial by talking about controversial racial issues, but not our own. And I think that what would be really, what I would really find, you know, an Asian male comedian to be of great power and use is to say, look, I'm not a white guy. I'm not a black guy. I, you know, I'm an Asian guy and I'm here, I'm in America and I see what's happening and I'm smart. And let me tell you, white people are fucking full of shit. And talk about racial issues that are not unique to us, but which do affect us as well. But I think it would be, I would like to see an Asian man get up there and talk about the bullshit um, of white America. And someone who does that really well is a guy like Hari Kondabalu. Get political. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there is no need to navel gaze through all this. I mean, I would like to see an aggressive Asian male comic you know, projecting and imposing his political views, which I think have an inherent power because when they see black men doing it, they assume that the black man is going to take a certain perspective. But with an Asian guy, they don't know. They don't, they don't necessarily assume that, you know, we're built in with a certain perspective. And so there is a certain amount of power, uh, I think, to an Asian man doing that. So I would like to yeah. see more of that. I think probably Bronny Chan is the best at that right now. Yeah. But he's Australian, so... <laughs> yeah. I, I would agree with that. I would also like uh, Asian-American guys to, like, un, like get ourselves out. We pen ourselves whenever we talk about race. Like, for instance, if, like, Ali Wong can joke about, like, Yoko Ono factories, Asian guys should be able to joke about that and find a way to joke about that. And the fact... I, actually, Diana, do, do, like, Asian-male comics, you know, like, talk about that kind of stuff? I, I, I just haven't seen it, really, in the mainstream. Usually, it talks about small dicks or I can't get these with white women, but, you know, they don't really talk about like Asian women and how are their relationships with Asian men. No. I haven't really seen that that much. No. They don't talk about it? No. I think they should. And I think a sign is if you can make like healthy jokes about that, I think that's, that would be a sign that you're, you're out of this like mental cage and that you, you, you've found some kind of like, I don't know, internal, like you've dealt with it. And that's why you can joke about it. And the fact that you can't joke about it, that you're, you're even scared of your own feelings about it shows you that you haven't dealt with it. So to me, a good sign would be if, if an Asian guy can make the equivalent of like a Yoko Ono factory joke um, I think that would be a sign of progress that's a tall order but yeah <laughs> that's a tall I joke order. about Asian yeah. women Co- comedy is hard comedy is hard also I, I, I think that there is there is a there is inherent problems I think within Asian I think this is something that we got to work out with um, Asian female comics is like let's not make fun of each other let's not attack each other like we can attack like we yeah, can attack I each see other in that private. a lot. I see a lot of Asian women comedians shitting on Asian men. Yeah, so if it's already happening, you gotta you know return to the volley. But I'm saying like if if Chris, I don't want to, I don't want to escalate that particular type of comedy though. Like I don't, I don't want, I don't want to male Esther Koo. <laughs> yeah, but that's not what we're talking. About. I'm saying that if if Chris Rock can can make light of like domestic violence that ended in a murder. 
like we can't make fun of uh, you know some hypocrisy we see in, in dating. I mean, come on. Yeah, but there, I mean, yes, yes, but I think yeah, yeah, no, we can, we can. But I just say I think it's dangerous to because but I guess what I'm saying is it's such a central issue, it's such a big issue, sort of privately, like within closed Asian American discussions in private that. It's like if you want to do a proper treatment of that, it, 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 you would almost have to do it at the level of how Ellie, Ali Wong did it. And I, I just don't I'm, – I'm a little suspicious of like whether an Asian man has the standing to do what Ali Wong did. And I think that Ali Wong can do it because she's addressing – this is about Asian women, you know, and, and she was able to address it because she's an Asian woman. A man – that's a tall order. That's a very tall order and it's dangerous. <laughs> but yeah, if we, if we could get there, yes. But I, I think that that is, that's a, that's going to be, that's going to be tricky. Um, especially at any sort of mass, you know, at any sort of, you know, big, on any big platform. I think it would be better for more people to talk about it, more comedians to talk about it. Because, I mean, I think you're right. Like this, these are issues that play out in other communities of color and like they're kind of not even that big of a deal like compared to other issues you know it's just that like it's like it feels like one of those things that you as a person are like get in your head about and you don't talk to any about anybody about it and it just like becomes a bigger and bigger deal in your head and if you just like said it out loud, you'd realize, oh, this is whatever. I don't, I don't even care anymore. And it's like, if you'll, you're, get you're, you'll, get, you'll get canceled. It's cancel culture though. I mean, you will, if an Asian man goes out there and starts talking about like white worshiping Asian women and how, oh yeah, we see the same thing in other communities of color. You're canceled. You're done. You can't say that. Well, we, we, no we need a, yeah. we, we need like an actual, like, I guess, brave person that maybe Ken John thinks he is, but he's not to take that on. Um, Diana, do you, uh, uh, maybe you can talk a bit about you know your own do you have any like upcoming shows uh i uh i've seen like your youtube stuff i don't know why you keep them private they're genuinely funny i really hope <laughs> one day you make them pro uh, public so we can like post it all over our twitter and 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 on on our magazine and everything uh so what what's what's going on with with you uh i i'm gonna be in the women in comedy festival in oh nice may yeah may 2nd oh, where's this 3rd. boston yeah boston okay May 2nd through 5th. Um, that's about it. Um, I mean, there's like local shows, obviously, but uh, you don't have to go to do, those. Do you get hecklers? <laughs> do I? No, not really. It, it, do others or is it like at, at this level, everyone's kind of like nicer. And then and then if you start uh, doing longer sets, then, then like the jerks come out. Uh, how does it work? I think it depends where you are and what kinds of shows that you're doing. So... If you're like uh, doing a show at a club, um, it's a pretty safe space. Most like comedy shows that are just shows are pretty much like for the audience, you know, like for a positive audience and for it's like a positive experience for the comedian. Um, where you get hecklers is like kind of like mid range where you're working, you know, casinos or um cruise ships or just like oh, bars and like places, places on earth right like places that people don't aren't there for the comedy and they're definitely not there for you and um sometimes you know like they're the comedians are there to like make 
for people who are there less angry, that's that's <laughs> where you get like really really angry people yeah, and like because they just lost like two grand in poker or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like your job is to prevent them from firebombing the casino or something. Um, you're, you're like taking on their anger. Yeah. Sacrificial lamb. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, on the other hand, those gigs also pay really well. So <laughs> there's there's that. And it definitely, like, you know, will put hair on your chest to be able to be able to survive that. Yeah. What was your first time, like, going up on, on stage? My first time? Yeah. Um, like, when was it? Well, actually, so it was, like, maybe three years ago. It was actually a class, so I don't think it really counts. Um, well, yeah. What, what about like at a club or 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 like some kind of um, non-class setting? Oh, um, well, I guess like just open mics in general. Some of them are just terrible. Like there's one that's like especially bad, and it's this huge bar. It's like a really long bar with the stage on one end a bunch of tables and like just like a bar um in the back and like everybody is super loud people can't really hear you and it's just like a bunch of white dudes drinking and i i would say that's that's probably just the worst because it's like nobody can hear you and even the people who can hear you they're not necessarily listening and it's just like ugh, why am i even here Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're we're a bit over an hour now. You guys got any uh, closing thoughts you want to say? No, I got it all out of me. I think I've, <laughs> I've just been so frustrated with Ken Jong and uh, it was a good expunging of the uh, soul that we just had. We just need to get like if he's the guy. Like as much as as much as great as it is to have someone an Asian an Asian person in Hollywood pulling for other Asians like what what kind of things what kind of what kind of people and what kind of what kind of endeavors is he going to underwrite this kind exactly. of guy like you know what I'm saying like what 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 kind of Asian is he what, and what kind of work is he going to support you know is it more minstrelsy or is he going to you know would he would he help someone like a Hari Kondabalu get to the next level I don't think he would I think he's scared of that you know um, cause he's like, yo, that's not how power, he's going to do, he's going to have this, that Steve Harvey calculation of like, you know, you, that's not how power works in Hollywood. You don't make fun of the, you know, the hand that feeds you. So rewrite your thing. You know, that's what he's going to do. So I say that, you know, people like him are actually net negative, you know, cause they're just going to continue. Not only are they going to, you know, do this shit when they're on stage, but they're going to promote that other Asians you know, alter and censor themselves in service of power. So fuck him. Yeah, especially since like uh, somebody who like like a, like let's say there's like like a yellow Hari uh, rising to the ranks. Chances are he'll probably shit on Ken Jong if he gets a stage. So Ken Jong's being, oh no, I can't ruin my legacy. I got to keep this guy or gal down. But he and he and, won't and be this- serving his function, which is to protect Judd Apatow, which is to protect yeah. you know, which is to protect um, CBS. You know, whatever. Like fuck him. 
Yeah, that's another thing that that pisses me off about these showbiz Asians. They always say, oh, "I'm a bad Asian," you know, whatever. But when at this level, they're the exact same type as, as like the the slimiest corporate Asians who just you know they're only out there for themselves and then they're you know making money or whatever. Because I mean, Ken Jong like or his type like you you're telling me you really can't like store away a certain like you know emergency rainy day fund if you know if ever you get cut off in Hollywood so that you could live very well for the rest of your life. No, if they keep doing this, it's probably because they still want the lifestyle. They want the fame they want the relevance which is really no good to anyone except for themselves and their friends so they're not doing the community any service yeah yeah diana any thoughts um i will say that if if you feel something if you still feel something isn't representing you well just fucking say it uh say it as loud as you can and because (laughs) good advice yeah um like like What's the point of living if you just can't fucking exist the way you want to, you know? Um, another thing is I do jokes that are pro-Asian, that are pro-Asian men and call out Asian women sometimes. And the white audiences, black audiences and Asian audiences and queer audiences that I've done this for have like across the board loved it. Um, and the Asian comedians that I know that do political humor that doesn't shit on Asians, they're doing well. People love that shit. White audiences will laugh at themselves and they are ready to hear about our issues. They're ready for this more. They're, it's, it's new. It's interesting. It's different. Yeah. And it's a reality that they see. Mm-hmm. That nobody stupid. talks about. So I'd, yeah. I'd be interested to hear what this Asian woman has to say about it, you know, or, and, and I've not heard an Asian guy talk about it. I wonder what they think, you know? Yeah. Comedy and it's not just is... white audiences. I mean, the audiences I'm assuming aren't just white people. There's black people in the audience. There's Latinos in the mm-hmm. audience. There's mixed race mm-hmm. people in the audience. There's queer people in the audience. It's not all like everything has to be tailored to the white man, you know, like. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a big enough audience out there, I think, that Asians can grab that. Definitely. I would think of a more diverse audience than just fucking like, oh, I got to tailor myself and, and kiss white ass. But I don't know. I've never, I've never, I don't really go to comedy clubs too often. I should change that. But, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the audience, maybe, maybe what we need to do instead of jumping, just, just jumping on the stage is going to comedy shows, you know, like making our faces there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Go to shows, go to mics, because that's where all the com- new comedians are coming out of. Go to mics where um, that's where all the comedians are working out their new material shows as well. Um, but just like go to live comedy. And if somebody says something that you don't like, just tell them to fuck off. <laughs> like, seriously, one yeah. yeah. there was a woman who she didn't like what this like I was saying on stage. And she just said, fuck you. And he was like, all right. <laughs> Nothing you can do about it. If you show your disdain for something, like that that kind of behavior is not going to continue. And like you have the power as the audience to do that. Mm-hmm. I'd also recommend uh if you are going to do that have a couple of like comebacks if you if you expect the uh comedian to to zap you back, right? You want to have something um, at least something to say. Not necessarily. 
You can just okay. if you're mad, just be like, I don't give a shit. Fuck you. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not like your you respons- I mean, you're, you're you're totally free. The freest person in that room is the audience member. Yeah. The right? worst thing <laughs> like, that you, they can you have absolute. Yeah. <laughs> the worst thing that they can do is uh, heckle you back, or the or you get kicked out. But it's like, who cares? You know, like it's not your it's not your career that's like on the line. You just want to see what you want to see, and how else are you going to do that? If not, um, just asking for it, just fucking asking for it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great way to clo- close this this episode. So, uh, Dana, thank you, uh, and team, thank you guys so much for being part of this episode. Dana, keep doing what you're doing. We're so thankful for what you are, and um, maybe we can come to Boston sometime in May. Catch oh, you at that love festival. You guys. <laughs> All right. Um, so take care, and um, you know, ho- hopefully we we won't see. Ken Jong for a while, but you know who knows. <laughs> All right, see y'all. Bye. Later. Hey, thanks for listening to this Escape from Planet episode about Ken Jong and Asian American comedy. And as I said at the beginning of the podcast, if you like us, please rate us and leave a review at iTunes, SoundCloud, um, Spotify, and Google Play. And if you like us, uh, and if you want to send us a comment, um, our email address is editor.planamag at gmail.com. All this information will be in the episode description. So until next week, see you everyone. Tonight.